Well, hey there, and welcome to the God, Sex, and You podcast. My name is Dustin Daniels, and I am your host. Today, we're speaking with my friend Joe Dallas on the topic of homosexuality. Enjoy the show. How many times have you asked yourself, I wonder what God's will is for, for my life. It's amazing to me how specifically God answers this deep theological question through the Apostle Paul in his first letter to the church of the Thessalonians. Did you catch it? Paul, writing through the power of the Holy Spirit, says in 1 Thess 4.3, God's will for you is to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. It's so simple, is it not? I mean, don't, don't get hung up on, on that word holy. We tend to think that that word means perfect, and that's not the case at all. Holy, it means different. It means being separated. And most translations use that word, they translate it sanctification. But sanctification implies that the work is done, but the work isn't done is it you and i and everyone else on the on the face of the planet is tempted sexually at some level on an ongoing basis it's it's an ongoing work and the the original language there is more of a, a sanctifying instead of a sanctification meaning that it's an ongoing process so if god's will is for us to be different then we start thinking differently don't we we start behaving just a little bit differently because of our thinking. We, we don't act like the world anymore. We used to. But by each passing day, we're changing and we're changing into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. Oh, but Dustin, hang on, man. How do we look and act differently? Well, Paul tells us that he, he, when he finishes the verse, uh, verse uh, in in. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, he says, we stay away from all sexual sin. Today, we are going to finish our conversation with Joe Dallas on the topic of homosexuality. Joe Dallas is an author. He's a conference speaker and ordained pastoral counselor. He's the program director of Genesis Biblical Counseling in California, which is a, a counseling ministry for men dealing with sexual addiction homosexuality, and other sexual and relational problems. He received his master's degree in, in Christian counseling from Vision University in San Diego. Joe, welcome back to the show. Hey, great being with you. Thank you for having me, Dustin. We're going to continue our conversation discussing your book. It's called The Gay Gospel, How Pro-Gay Advocates Misread the Bible. And, and last week we heard a part of your your story, which is an amazing testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now that we kind of understand how you got to where you are as a pastoral counselor specializing in, in sex addiction and homosexuality, let's dive into the topics of your book. And one of the, the things that we, we hear a lot in the media is this idea of, of people being born gay. Have you ever told yourself, did you ever tell people that you were born gay? You know, at the time, uh, Dustin, again, when I was a part of the gay community, it was the period 1978 to 1984, and uh, the born gay theories were not so prominent then. So I can't really say I considered myself born gay. 
identify themselves that way at that time. Mm. Uh, the born gay theories really hit their peak uh, beginning around 1991, when a number of studies were released suggesting homosexuality may be inborn. And they picked up steam because politically many people feel that if something is inborn, it must therefore be seen as a natural part of the person. And if it's a natural part of the person, then to say that it is wrong is akin to a form of racism, you see. Yeah. So the born gay theory has gotten a lot of political traction, but in my opinion, it, it, it shouldn't have. Uh, first, I'm not convinced that people are born homosexual. I'm really not. We still don't have conclusive proof that anyone is born homosexual. Uh, we have a lot of studies indicating the possibility, nothing definitive. Even the American Psychiatric Association, which takes a very strong pro-gay position, in their official statement uh, on sexuality, makes it clear that no one knows exactly what causes sexual orientation. It's not known to be inborn. But that said, even if tomorrow morning we woke up and on CNN, there was the news story. Gay gene discovered people are definitively born homosexual. Would that change my position? No, it, it would not. It would only tell us what we already know. We are a fallen race. We are born imperfect. We are born with imperfections. And in fact, a number of undesirable tendencies may be inborn. There are some very good studies indicating that chemical dependency or alcoholism may have its roots in some kind of genetic or inborn structure. Perhaps propensities towards violence or depression uh, are inborn, according to some studies. So I don't feel that we have to die on a hill claiming that homosexuality is not inborn or that it is inborn, because I think that's a secondary issue. We don't determine whether or not something is normal or abnormal by what created it. We judge it by the thing itself. And uh, for that reason, I, I consider the inborn question to be really a secondary one. Right, because what we hear is if it's born, then it's it's not changeable, right? You can't you can't change. You you don't get to choose your your sexual orientation in the in the fact that you can change from being, for example, a homosexual turning into a making that choice into a heterosexual lifestyle. So, how did you, Joe, go from where you were to where you are now? How did that change happen? Well, I never thought in terms of change. I thought in terms of obedience, and that, that's mm, a very important very, difference there, yeah, Dustin. Yeah. When I repented in 1984, I said, look, Lord, I am attracted to men. I never asked to be attracted to men, and this is why I say whether it's inborn or not, I think it's an involuntary condition. I, I didn't choose it, but there it is. And I made it very clear, Lord, I can't do anything about my feelings, but I don't have to give in to them. And I am praying for you to give me the strength to say no to a part of my life that I've been saying yes to. I want to follow you. I want to take up my cross, and I am going to consider this part of my cross. That was where it started for me. And I thought, if I live the rest of my life celibate, okay. If I marry someday, okay, whatever. And that was where it really had to begin. Now, what I found was that as I closed the door 
upon the possibility of same-sex relating and got myself into the fellowship of uh, Christian men and women and uh, started really enjoying just normal, healthy relationships with people of both sexes. I found two things happening simultaneously. One, I found myself less and less often feeling sexual attractions to men or having sexual fantasies about men. And I also found myself more and more attracted to this one woman in particular. Mm. In all fairness, I had been attracted to women from early in life, so it wasn't so much, in my case, a conversion from one sexuality to another. But it was a matter of saying yes to one and no to the other. And that is a capacity we all have. Now, some people, in all fairness, Dustin, repent of homosexuality and find that even as they are living obedient, healthy lives, they never do find themselves attracted to someone of the opposite sex. And for them, celibacy is the right option. I don't believe people should marry just in an attempt to cure themselves of homosexuality. I, I don't even believe a man should marry a woman if he's not attracted to her. I really don't, because I, I think marriage is a sexual covenant, among other things. But I, I think in some cases, people find that they have to deal obediently with their feelings on a daily basis. Other people find that those feelings no longer have uh, any real control in their lives. So people experience different types of changes when it comes to the feelings they have, but everybody is capable of obedience. And I think you'll find the same true of uh, Christian men who say deal with pornography. Some guys who've had the porn habit they repent of using porn, but on a daily basis, several times a day, they are strongly, strongly tempted to use it again. Other guys repent and find that after a while, hey, they don't even think about it anymore. And I have no idea why one person experiences one outcome, the other experiences something different. But what we all have in common is we are being sanctified. We all struggle in some area. There will always be some area of sin in our lives we have to deal with and allow God to separate us from, and that's life in this fallen world. I was thinking as you were saying that, I love the I love how you changed the conversation from whether you're changeable or unchangeable to obedience, because I've always said, you know what? I was born an adulterer, if you want to go down that route, and I can rationalize and justify my behavior and my thoughts and my porn use because I was born this way, but the reality is that we're not. We're, we, we have a choice, and that choice is obedience. When we come back, we're going to find out if the prophet John Lennon and the Beatles were right. Is love all you need? Hey, friend, if you're enjoying this podcast, you may just like my book. It's titled... The Sex Spiral, Forgiven and Free from Pornography. The Sex Spiral will teach you two main things. Number one, God's design for sexuality. And number two, how to exit the triggers of porn addiction. That's right. It is for freedom that Jesus Christ has set you free. For more information, visit my website at DustinDaniels.org. Now, let's get back to the show. 
My guest today is Joe Dallas. He is an author, conference speaker, and ordained pastoral counselor, and he specializes in sexual addiction and homosexuality. Visit Joe's website at joedallas.com. Now, Joe, before the break, I mentioned this idea of love. The Beatles sang of this the song, Love is All You Need. And this is what we hear a lot, especially now in the media, that that if two people love one another, what is so wrong with that? Well, nobody's arguing whether or not people can love each other under a variety of circumstances. The question is whether or not the love justifies the behavior. And uh, if we if we don't have a creator, Dustin, if our bodies just belong to us and we will never answer to anyone for how we use them, and we are basically all our own moral agents, then I would say, what the heck? As long as you're not verifiably harming someone else, do whatever you please. Uh, but if we hold the world view that we have a creator and that our creator has specific intentions for our lives, and that those intentions are spelled out in this document, which records Jesus' teaching, which you quoted in the last show we did together as to what God intended the sexual union to be, you see something different altogether. Now, I think that, first of all, anatomy testifies to what Jesus taught. Jesus said, Know ye not that from the beginning God made them male and female. I think anatomy testifies to the rather plain truth that human mating was meant to occur between a man and a woman. I think that sociology and common sense verify the fact that the male-female union holds the most promise for longevity. Uh, If we look at the statistics, I'm not talking about Christian statistics, Dustin, I'm talking about secular statistics on the longevity of homosexual relationships compared the longevity of heterosexual relationships, there's really no contest. If you look at the mental health issues, substance abuse issues, domestic violence issues, you'll see consistently that a heterosexual union fares better than a homosexual one. So there are both biblical and secular arguments for the idea of a divine design. And uh, staying within the parameters of that design is more important than following the direction of the heart. I will fully admit, same-sex people in a relationship can love each other very much. Of course they can. I will fully admit, uh, and I don't mean this facetiously, I mean it very seriously, my favorite actor of all time, Spencer Tracy, had a long-term adulterous relationship with the actress Catherine Hepburn, and by all accounts, those two loved each other very deeply. They had a very mutually respectful, very committed relationship with each other. There was definitely love there, and it was adulterous. There was love, and it was wrong, and the one doesn't cancel out the other. So I think the real question is, do we determine the rightness or wrongness of a relationship just by whether or not love is present. And before you answer that too quickly, we should all consider this. Any married man could be with a woman who could at some time fall in love with somebody else. Do we really want to say it would be all right for your wife to leave you 
if she genuinely loved another man? I don't think so. Mm. So clearly love is not the deciding factor. You know, this this topic of, of homosexuality is the, the hotbed of, of this generation. It's not going away anytime soon. Joe, how do we lovingly discuss homosexuality with friends, family, with, with coworkers? It, it seems like just the topic itself is it, it's just one um, that gets everybody amped up and, and everybody gets defensive and argumentative. How do we lovingly do this? Yeah, well, I think we have to abandon the idea that if somebody gets upset at what we say, we must not have said it lovingly. That's just not true. Now, I'll be the first to say, and Dustin, for more than 25 years, I've really been openly critical of the way a large segment of the church has addressed this. In fact, a sermon I have preached more times than I can count includes um, the point that the church needs to repent of its hostility towards homosexual people, and Mm. I believe that to be true. I think that we have said wildly irresponsible, very stupid things about homosexuals, and as a result, we've contributed to this this mutual hostility that's built up over the years. But the fact also is not all Christians are guilty of that, and the fact that a Christian says something and people react to it does not mean that the Christian said it wrong. In fact, if we look at Jesus' ministry, the Book of Acts, and certainly Paul's history, we find that no matter how lovingly truth is proclaimed, plenty of people will react antagonistically towards it. So I think we can speak truth plainly. Let's keep our priorities straight, though. If I'm talking to a non-Christian who is homosexual, the gospel is the issue, not his homosexuality. So I don't want to spend time arguing over the ethics of sexual behavior, because that person is dead in sin. Even if I could talk them out of homosexual practice, they'd still be just as dead in sin. I wouldn't want to talk to them about the person of Jesus Christ, the claims and the promises he made. Within the church, that's another matter. So Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 that he doesn't bother judging people's behavior outside the church, but within the church, if someone is involved in overt sexual sin, we need to address that, and if necessary, the church needs to invoke church discipline if people are unwilling to repent of fornication or adultery uh, or homosexuality. And certainly, while I'm on my soapbox, let me say this, Dustin, we do need to educate our young people and all of our people on how to be apologists for the truth, because they are being faced with these questions in their universities and their workplaces, among their friends. What is going to, I believe, set the Christian apart more than anything else in this the, the, the direction our culture is going, is our unwillingness to relinquish our sexual ethics. I think those ethics are going to mark us and set us up for tremendous contempt and controversy, but they can also be great evangelistic tools, because when someone says, why do you hold on to these ideas, that gives me a chance to say, because I believe we have a creator I believe he sent his son to be our savior, and I'd love to tell you about that. Joe Dallas is my guest, and I got to tell you guys that when I first got this book from Joe, I I read through it, and I jumped back on his website, and if you are a church leader, or maybe you're a lay leader, 
or, or maybe you just want a better way to start this conversation. I literally bought this book and then I jumped back on his website and I bought everything else that Joe has written. And I, I don't say that lightly. I want to encourage you, especially if you are a, a pastor, if you're a minister, if you're a priest, if you're a celebrate recovery person or any type of, of purity group leader, lay leader, this, this conversation is not going away. And my prayer for you is that we would have an intelligent conversation that we would be able to speak about this topic that is the hotbed of our of our culture with truth and grace because Jesus Christ himself is truth and grace. Hey, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for checking us out. And for those of you old timers that have been hanging out with me, man, it's been, what, five or six years now? I just, I want to thank you again and again and again for listening. And maybe you've bought the book and you've been listening to the podcast and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I still have questions. And what do, what do I do next? You know, so here's, here's the deal. Maybe, just maybe it's time for a counseling appointment. And if you would like to book some time with me, jump on the website at dustindaniels.org. That's where you can uh, schedule your one-on-one meeting with me. In the meantime, I pray that you're committed to a Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing church this Sunday. If you're not for whatever reason, maybe it's the COVID thing, maybe it's another reason, I want to make sure that you are fed the Word of God. So let me give you another website here uh, to go to. It's riverbible.org, and we are in the midst of going through the Gospel of Mark verse by verse. So you can either watch the online version or you can listen to the live podcast version each Sunday as we go through the Gospel of Mark together. I love you, and I'll see you next week.